0: Hello and welcome to the BSI Education Podcast with me, Matthew Childs. And me, Alan Sellers. Hello, Alan. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And how are you, Matthew? I'm very well, thank you. Now, in these podcasts, our aim is to bring you the stories behind standards and standardisation. In this episode, we hear from Dr Irina Brass, Associate Professor from the Department of Science, Technology, Engineering and Public Policy at University College London. Now,
1: what struck me, Matthew, on listening to Irina, with her passion and enthusiasm for standards education, she laid down some challenges to universities, standards bodies, and standards makers about how standards can and should inform
0: policy making. Now we really enjoyed our conversation with Arena, and we hope you do too. So, in this episode of the podcast, we are delighted to be joined by Dr. Arena Brass. Hello, Arena. How are you?
2: Hi Matthew, hi Ellen. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be with you and thank you very much for the invite. Uh, it's a real pleasure and a real honour.
0: It's a very great pleasure to have you. Now, you're an academic in the Department of Science, Technology, Engineering and Public Policy at UCL, or STEEP for short. Can you tell us a bit about STEEP and your role there?
2: Sure, so um, I'm an associate professor, newly promoted to associate professor uh, at uh, UCL, that's University College London, uh, as you mentioned in STEEP, which stands for the Department of Science, Technology, Engineering and Public Policy. Uh, this is quite a unique department in the sense that it is an interdisciplinary department uh, in that, which sits in the Faculty of Engineering uh, and that explores exactly what it says on the tin this relationship between science, technology, engineering, and public policy. So I think the discussion that we had recently around COVID-19 and what happens with science advice has maybe also given us an opportunity to be a bit more explicit and to put a pin into what we're doing in this department, which is essentially how do we translate scientific and technological engineering expertise and knowledge for public policy and vice versa? How do we actually create an environment where those who operate in the public policy domain can? learn more about the science, technology, and engineering uh, issues and challenges that are being faced. So it's creating this dialogue between science, technology, and engineering, and the public policy environment. And I have to say that I'm really proud to be part of this department. It's one of the few in the world. uh, And uh, as I mentioned before, the message, especially now in this context, when we're talking about systemic risk, when we're talking about understanding how to create baseline for best practices, this is is a very good place to to be.
0: And in terms of your your teaching and research?
2: In terms of research, I specialize in the regulation of emerging technologies. So I look at the interplay between regulation, responsible innovation, and how we can translate that to meet the uh, public policy objectives of the 21st century. I have a particular interest in this idea of regulation for responsible innovation or regulation of responsible innovation. But I have to say that I take a slightly different approach than maybe what is conventionally understood in this space. In the sense when I'm thinking of regulation, first of all, I'm thinking of regulation that doesn't come just from government. So I'm not thinking only about mandatory regulation of responsible um innovation or, or regulation of emerging technologies but actually about self-regulatory practices where standards actually fit into this uh this bigger picture in terms that they allow for achievement of the same goals than or some of the same goals that potentially a mandatory uh, regulatory intervention would so i have to say from the start and this is my caveat always that um when I say that I, I specialize in the regulation of emerging technologies, regulation of responsible innovation, I take regulation as this broad uh, spectrum of mandatory to uh, a very much self-regulatory um, uh, practices that are out there and standards obviously fit in that uh, category. The second point that I want to raise is, uh, yes, in my research, I also focus on uh, adaptive regulatory practices. So this is where I'm actually looking at how we can create more adaptive regulation where we can integrate knowledge about risks that are pertaining to emerging technologies, but to integrate them in existing regulatory models, existing regulatory frameworks, in a more systematic manner, so that that knowledge that comes from expert communities, again, standards being one of them, but not the only ones, there are other epistemic communities out there, can be integrated and can Uh, create more dynamic regulatory responses. So what I've done from the research uh, side is I focused so far on two areas. The first area is in, if you wish, cybersecurity, especially looking at um, the cybersecurity of emerging technologies such as the Internet of Things, such as machine learning. So here is very much about how we integrate how we understand the the, the risks that uh, are are emerging risks in in cybersecurity, cybersecurity is not like safety, for instance, that we've done for a really long time, and really create more uh, adaptive regulatory practices. Another area that I focused on is in advanced biotherapeutics. So this is cell and gene therapies. Again, here, looking at adaptive regulatory pathways that allow these innovations to happen, but also to happen in a responsible manner. What we try to do, and what I try to do from a teaching perspective, is I try to integrate this research that I've developed together with um, uh, the STEEP community, as well as a broader community of collaborators into the teaching practice. So what we have at UCL is something called the connected curriculum which is ultimately about how we integrate our research and our policy engagement. And we do a lot of policy engagement at steep into our teaching in the Masters of Public Administration that we do, in some of the undergraduate courses that we teach, and also in how we supervise doctoral research and postdoctoral, uh, uh, post-doctoral researchers as well.
0: That's that's really fascinating. I, I want to pick up on the, the your approach to teaching standards uh, in a moment, if that's okay. But before we before we move on, um, I understand you've won some awards recently.
2: Yes, thank you very much. And this is an absolute honor. So the year started the academic year because I always think an academic year. So that starts in September and ends in August of every year. So at the beginning of the academic year, I was very honored to to receive a nomination uh, for uh, the BSI Standards Makers Award uh, for um, education about standardization. And I'm really, really pleased to have received that award. So that's Uh, that was an absolute achievement in terms of actually conveying the message that we want to do when it comes to the connected curriculum and when it comes to research-based education and later in the year very recently in in june for the same endeavor say for the the whole principle of designing research-based education, and in collaboration with the BSI as well for the MPA uh, group projects that we've done together, which I know we'll discuss later on, uh, I also received the UCL's Provost uh, Education Award. Uh, So these are some of the career pinnacles for for someone at this stage uh, in their career, and I'm absolutely proud and very, very honored to have received them. And I have to say that I couldn't have done them without the collaborations um, that uh, I've established over the years uh, and the dedication of those who, who were part of this endeavour.
1: Now, this is a podcast about standardisation, and I'm keen on understanding how our guests end up where they are today. So how did you get to be in this place of talking about public policy standards and research
2: so uh, thanks for this question and you know the, the more that I, I sort of progress in my career the longer the journey becomes which is great um but at the same time it uh, it also looks uh, far in the past so i'm gonna try to do a a, a, a summary uh, as much of a summary as i can um so i started off um doing my undergraduate studies in uh, international relations and media and communications. So I did actually a double, double degree in international relations and media and comms because I realized that I was interested in sort of politics and international politics, uh, but I was also very much interested in what was happening in the media comms, digital environment. So I couldn't decide, so I decided to do both of them. And then I moved on for uh, my master's and uh, I did an MSc at uh, at LSE in politics and government in the European Union. And that's where I took class that I think changed my, uh, my direction uh, in terms of my research interests, my educational interests, and also my passion to to research uh, and also to convey this message of the importance of regulation as a broader spectrum, right? Not just regulation as mandatory regulation. So I took this class called regulation of the single market and that's where I learned more about digital technologies and regulation of radio spectrum, of broadcasting, of telecommunications uh, at the time. So then from that point onwards, I wanted to develop a PhD, uh, which I did. So I, uh, I stayed at LSE and uh, now I have a PhD in government from the LSE, Department of Government. And for that particular piece of research, which was my first piece of uh, substantial research, I wanted to investigate how radio spectrum policy for mobile communications is formed and is being decided Uh, because we all know that radio spectrum is a common pool resource in the same that it is scarce to the extent that the technology allows it Uh, and not a lot of people are actually aware of the fact that we rely on this invisible resource which is the electromagnetic spectrum and then what we call the radio spectrum for all of our mobile communications, all of our Wi-Fi, et cetera, et cetera. But I wasn't at the same time convinced that the regulators play the only role in deciding it and that it's all about politics. So I wanted to look deeper into that. And that's when I started to look around and see as part of the research and see Who else is important in this space? And that's when I discovered standards-making organizations. That's when I discovered Etsy. That's when I discovered the IEEE. That's where I discovered 3GPP. And also very importantly, that's when I discovered national standards bodies and the role that they play. And then I realized that actually it's not just This is not to say that there isn't politics around it. This is not to say that regulators don't play a role around it. That's why I argued in my thesis. But that actually, these technical expert communities, these what I call epistemic communities, play a fundamental role in deciding how this particular resource, yes, this invisible resource, which we call the electromagnetic spectrum, the radio spectrum, is uh, is managed and is being uh, allocated over the years so that was my first moment where i got into into standards making organisations and since then there was no no turn back
1: that's fascinating uh, there seems to be a very clear thread that you've pulled there of recognising something was happening and then Carrying on pulling that thread to see what was at the end and and arriving at national standards bodies. Um, I find it interesting that you've arrived at that from coming from a regulator perspective rather than a technical perspective. Um, And I wonder if there's anything that you could see in the difference between a technical angle on standards versus a a policy or a regulatory angle in, in the perspectives that they bring.
2: To me, bringing technical expertise and bringing regulatory and policy expertise are two sides of the same coin. That communication that I mentioned at the start that we're trying to do at STEEP, where we try to bridge these communities together, uh, and also from a, a research perspective try to understand how these communities speak to each other is fundamental. So I don't necessarily see a difference between these communities. But what I see very important is how they look at one issue from different angles and then what is the trade off the negotiation in between so that's essentially what i am interested in what i'm doing in in uh, in all the research that i've been doing so far so for for instance um, after the PhD, I joined UCL STEEP as a postdoc before I became a lecturer and now an associate professor. And I uh, joined as a um, uh, as a postdoc uh, in the Petra's Internet of Things Research Hub, which has now become a center uh, of excellence in cybersecurity of the Internet of Things. There, the issue was how do we deal with this problem that is emerging around the cybersecurity of more and more connected devices so we no longer have just the phone or just the our um, our computer that is connected to the internet now we have all of these other devices around around our house uh, we have connected autonomous vehicles we have all we we talk about sm- uh, smart meters and the smart grid all of these are connected and are relying on the internet infrastructure and for them to function well uh, uh, they require a high level of cybersecurity, but they also require most importantly, a baseline of what good cybersecurity practice is. And what I found is that sometimes, not always, but sometimes what the technical community brings to the table and what the policy and regulatory community wants to achieve is not necessarily aligned. So being at the forefront of ensuring that this communication exists and translating it and understanding it from a research perspective, but also translating it, facilitating this discussion is one of my ambitions. So uh, it's not to say that technical versus policy, but it's to say, how do we marry technical and policy? so that we can create those baseline practices that would support policy objectives, but are also in line with the latest technical requirements. And I don't think that only regulation or only a technical community can achieve on their own.
0: Irene, mean, I can see from a, um, an academic's perspective how you described how uh, your sort of research interests were sort of aroused by the relationship between standards and regulation and policy development. Now, obviously, you're an academic working in a, in a successful uh, UK uh, university, but in, in recent years, you've also become a standards maker. Uh, in the area of of IOT and uh, things and I just wondered what was your motivation there from I I can understand how from a research perspective you want to get to grips with some of the key issues you've been talking about but why also become a standards maker too what were were your motivations?
2: So first of all I'm a huge believer in the idea of the embedded researcher if we want to study something we don't have to convey we don't have to conduct interviews we don't have to uh, you know, sit in uh, as participant observers in particular environments, we have to actually understand what the community is about and contribute. And that's how we see our research in practice. So I'm a huge believer of that. So that's why uh, when it comes to the interaction that uh, uh, I've had, for instance, with the BSI, I very much wanted to be a part and to be a member of IoT One. I was... uh, absolutely honored uh, to, be, uh, uh, to be selected uh, as a member of IOT1, to be nominated as a member of IOT1, I should have said, and, um, and then to actually be elected as chair of uh, the IOT1. So th- that's the Internet of Things One Technical Committee, uh, which is the main one at the BSI. So for me, this, this idea of embedding and conveying our, our research and learning and co-producing that, that research with a technical expertise, because it's not just industry, it's also consumer associations, it's all also representatives of small businesses. It's a lot of people that are coming and are being part of uh, standards committees. So being an active player in that particular environment makes such a difference than being an observer of it. And that, that was my motivation. I wanted to be able to understand more of that process, to contribute to that process, and also vice versa with that, to be able to bring the process back into academia, into education, so that we created this, uh, uh, this circular uh, learning um, uh, objective, ultimately.
0: And have you found it a fulfilling experience so far?
2: Yes, overall I think that it has been a very, very fulfilling experience. Uh, of course, there are going to be frustrations along the way. We have the same frustrations when we design policy. We have the same frustrations when we do our research, etc. But overall, um, this engagement with a, a very um, interdisciplinary and also um, multi-stakeholder environment that committees in national standards bodies as well as in international standards bodies and other communities do, um, other technical communities do, I think that is the most fulfilling um, experience.
1: What were your perceptions about standards making before you became involved?
2: One of the first perceptions that I had and also that a lot of people have is that Standards making bodies and communities in general are made up of uh, representatives of big industry. And what I noticed is that that wasn't the case. What I noticed uh, by being a member in IoT One, by being a a committee chair in IoT One, but also through my engagement with SDSC now is that there is a broader interest and passion to represent different communities. And one of them is the SME communities, a community I mentioned before, the consumer associations and other very big stakeholders in this space. So that was one of my main misconceptions. Another misconception, which I'm very happy to see that um, it's not the case, is that standards-making processes are slow. Yes, we know that uh, when we go through this process, they are relatively, they can be relatively slow in the sense that when you engage in a consensus process, you have to go through this, which takes a while. But at the same time, to see that standards-making organizations such as the BSI, National Standards Bodies, are thinking about how to create more adaptive uh, uh, standards-making processes is also a, a, a fascinating and also a very um, uh, stimulating experience and something that, as I said beforehand, I didn't necessarily expect to see, but I'm very happy to be part of.
0: Now, Rita, I just want to move move us on to uh, to talk about how you teach standards within STIP. Can you tell us on, on the which programs in the department, which programs you teach on, how do they involve standards?
2: So... Um, Thank you, Matthew, for the question. So mostly I teach in the uh, MPA, which is the Masters of Public Administration. Um, and at SNIP we have five specializations, but I'm also a co-lead of the MPA in uh, the um, Digital Technology and Policy um, Masters. What I try to do there is to always convey this sort of misunderstood relationship between standard regulation and policy formulation or policymaking. In most of the literature, the academic literature that we see, there is this misconception that standards are always going to be politicized. So they are always going to represent some interests that are somewhat not necessarily aligned to the public interest. And to me, this relationship is not as clear-cut as that. It's not to say that this relationship doesn't pan out like this sometimes. There are a lot of standards-making bodies and a lot of standards and a lot of codes of practice and a lot of baselines out there that are indeed politicized in the sense that they represent the interests of the few, but I'm not necessarily and always absolutely sure, and through my research I've shown that, that they always represent that, that they're always politicized. And the reason why I wanted to get involved with the BSI is exactly because of this, because as a national standards body, you have to make sure that this is Whatever standards comes whatever standard comes out is consensus knowledge, and that it supports a public policy objective that it's not necessarily contradictory to that, and also a lot of the ISO standards are again in the same uh, uh, with the same mentality and with the same philosophy uh underpinning them so what I try to do in in my teaching practice is to a, introduce students to standards, because a lot of students that are either in the that are doing even public policy or they're in the uh, more technical areas do not understand the importance and the impact and this connection, this relationship between standards, regulation and policymaking. So this is one of the main things that I wanted to achieve in, uh, uh, in the way that I teach uh, the, in the masters, uh, uh, in the MPA, the masters of Public Administration at STEEP. So at STEEP, I teach a number of courses. I teach uh, public administration, which is one of the core courses uh, in the Masters of Public Administration. Um, I uh, also uh, teach a course in uh, a risk assessment and governance. Uh, and of course, uh, I, I teach a, a course, a, fun- a foundational course in digital technologies and policy. And across all of the these, I try to embed the idea that standards play a role, And it's not just an idea, it's it's a reality, right? The standards play a role to achieving a public policy objective, as opposed to just standards being captured by industry, just being big players that uh, deliver something that is going to be necessarily representing their interests, but not always representing a public objective. One of the best ways that we manifested this uh, and in the work that we have done with the BSI is through the MPA group project. So here we worked, uh, the UCL STEEP department worked very closely with the BSI and the BSI student research program to really hone down this idea of how, what are the gaps that exist in regulation and policy objectives and how can standards meet those? What are the challenges that some communities, um, entrepreneurial communities, might uh, experience and how can standards play a role in, 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 in in meeting their objectives in the absence, actually, of regulations or of new policies? that are meant to achieve them. So what we did over the past uh, two years is really work uh, together and very closely and very productively with uh, the student research program led by you, Matthew, and put together two group projects, two MPA group projects, so UCLBSI group projects, that really speak to these challenges. The first one last year was looking at the challenges that IoT SMEs, so Internet of Things SMEs are, um, are experiencing, we're navigating the standardization and the regulatory policy landscape, and that has been very successful. And then now, um, for this academic year, so 2019, 2020, we have five very, very dedicated um, MPA master's students who are working very closely with a very, very supportive BSI team to understand more about the standardization and the regulatory challenges for um, connected and intelligent medical devices. So again, this is at the cutting edge of research in the sense that there hasn't been a lot of research done in this, uh, in this space. And it's also working very closely with a partner who wants to understand more what's coming from the research side and also to convey that and to integrate that into the broader standards-making practice. To me, this is the epitome of research-based education. And this is ultimately what we are about at STEEP and what I am about in the way that I teach for an MPA, which is ultimately a professional master's, a master's in public administration, where we are meant to be equipping the, 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 the people that are going to be forthcoming in the future to deliver a different perspective on how we think about policy, how we think about regulation, and also how we think about emerging technologies.
1: All the work that you've described there is, is really interesting. And how do you see that making a difference in the future of public policy, of education and of a standards making?
2: So I think there are some immediate actions that we can take in academia and more broadly. Uh, Firstly, I think that academics and educational program developers in general can play a more active part in redesigning their curricula to reflect the role that standards play, not just in areas where we see standards uh, featuring already, uh, such as management studies or engineering or design, but actually across the social sciences, for instance, more broadly, across law, across public policy curricula, across political science. I mean, ultimately, standards support the public policy objectives of the 21st century. And I believe that this message can be communicated a bit more clear in curriculum development by providing that baseline of good practice, of responsible innovation that I mentioned earlier on. standards ultimately ensure consumer protection, for instance, in critical areas such as safety, security, cybersecurity, increasingly in areas such as responsible artificial intelligence, machine learning, and ethics when it comes to to machine learning, for instance, uh, how we manage misinformation, risk in global supply chains, and a lot of other areas. So I think that these aspects and the role that standards play in meeting these public policy objectives of the 21st century, which are centered roughly around how around responsible innovation and consumer protection, I think it, that message can be conveyed more clearly across curricula that do not necessarily sit in one discipline. And I guess I have a second point in terms of the more immediate actions that we can take Um, in promoting education about standardization, which is about ultimately appreciating and conveying more clearly the impact that standards and understanding of standards making processes play. So to me here, uh, a clearer recognition of standards and standard making processes, for instance, in funding calls across Uh, economic and social sciences, across uh, engineering and physical sciences, from public bodies, research bodies such as UKRI, uh, I believe that this would play an important part and uh, would potentially change the way that we also understand um, and reflect on the importance of standards so that we achieve broader education about standards and standards making.
0: Before we finish, I just want to say that for more information on some of the themes raised in this episode, especially the student research programme, go to www.bsigroup.com forward slash education. Do please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and share on social media using the hashtag BSIEdPod. And if you have any comments, suggestions, questions, and ideas for future podcasts, then please get in touch at education at bsigroup.com. All that remains is for me to say thank you, Irina.
2: Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Alan. Always a pleasure.
0: Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Matthew and Irina.
1: And of course, to thank you for listening.